It's time for another candid conversation on Entrust, Equipping Leaders. Today we begin a four-part series about equipping women in ministry. We won't get into egalitarian and complementarian views, but simply about the hows, whys, benefits, and cautions of training women in various aspects of Christian ministry. Today, Lori Lind interviews Dr. Joy Baker of Dallas Theological Seminary on what she calls the biblical mandate for equipping women, women's roles in Great Commission things, how women lead, and more. Well, welcome back to Equipping Christian Leaders. It's a regular podcast from Entrust. And the topic at hand is basically why train women? And that's not meant as a a condescending question at all. It's meant to try to explore the concept of equipping women to serve in ministry. So my guest today is a woman who is definitely serving in ministry, um, Dr. Joy Baker. Dr. Baker, welcome to Equipping Christian Leaders. And would you tell us about your kind of your credentials and what it is that you do at Dallas Theological Seminary? All right. I so appreciate and thank you for this time, Lori, to be with you. And um, I came to Dallas Seminary in 1996. That's a little over 25 years ago as a student. I got my MACE degree, Master's in Christian Education, and then followed that up with a Doctor of Ministry, which then led me to join the faculty at Dallas Seminary. And I have been on faculty for about 15 years. I am considered adjunct faculty, and I'm also full-time staff in the Educational Ministries and Leadership Department. So I do a lot of uh, mentoring, advising, primarily of our women students, some of our male students, but I meet with a lot of women students. I'm also um, on the staff of our Spiritual Formation Small Groups Program that our students are required to be in for two years. And so I mentor some of our women leaders in that program. And then I teach courses on equipping women to minister to other women. I teach a master's course on how to lead small groups. And then um, I team teach also with Dr. Sue Edwards on the Doctor of Ministry and Doctor uh, Doctor of Educational Ministry um, courses in the summertime. I particularly teach a course on women in Christian leadership and one on caring for women in pain. And then I assist Dr. Edwards in a women in culture contemporary culture, and then another one on the role of women in ministry and history and future. So I kind of have my fingers in a number of different aspects of the seminary and really enjoy uh, that. But my heartbeat is training and equipping women. Okay, that is quite a list of things you do. And I'm quite intrigued by a couple of those courses or programs that you're part of. Let's dive into those in a little bit. But first, I'd like to reference the article that you wrote for the Equipping Christian Leaders blog for Entrust about training women in ministry, which you called essentially a biblical mandate, which is really interesting to me. You said your thoughts immediately went to when asked the question, why train women? Why not train women? So what are some passages in the Bible that sort of inspire that that thinking to you? Well, I think the first foremost one goes all the way back to Genesis in the first chapter, verse 28, where, where God creates male and female, and besides being fruitful and multiply, he says they are to rule and reign together and have dominion over the earth. And so from that, and this was part of my dissertation that I worked on as women in leadership, um, was that God has called women to be leaders too. 
Now, in what context and what roles is, is debatable and has different interpretations, but God has called us as women to be leaders in whether certainly within our families and then in, in different aspects within the church. And so if women are going to be used by God, then they need to be trained in how to effectively um, care for and lead other women and, and partner with their brothers in Christ. And so I think that it's key because we are huge influencers in the world, um, family, community, our work, ministry. And so we need to, women need to be trained in how to do that effectively. That's, that's one verse. Of course, we go into the Titus 2 verse and 3 and 5 there where Paul, when he's establishing churches in Crete, he initially specifically says to Titus, when you set up local churches, not only do you identify older spiritual men to mentor other men, but it says you identify older women who will teach and train women. And so that word training is there. And even though the context there is primarily talking about the family, that's the context women were primarily living in and God is using them. Not that he didn't use them in other ways too, even in biblical times. But now we know women have a lot of opportunities to be used by God. And so that training would go much farther than just the home. Does that word train in Greek have certain nuances? Or um, You did mention the context is the family, but what else does that word train have as a meaning? Mm -hmm. Well, Paul kind of makes a distinction between teaching and training. So teaching, of course, is God's truth. And training is in life skills. You know, all the different skills that we need in order to live effectively in this world and be used by Christ. So that's how, those are the distinctions and it's made there in that verse also. And like you say, women need to be trained just as men. So in other words, uh, some of these things don't just come naturally. We need some further understanding of how to do some of these leadership type things. Oh, absolutely. And it's interesting, I do think, because that's in the whole area of, of mentoring and discipleship. And I would say that way back, particularly in biblical times, a lot of that training did happen in the home. Little girls learned under their mother, they learned all kinds of training and how to be a good mother, a good wife, how to you know, do things around the home, whatever it might be. The, the sons were growing up under their fathers. They were learning skills too. Nowadays, our family structure is so different. And of course, obviously, uh, sadly, a lot of women come out of very dysfunctional homes and homes where they're not loved well, they're not cared for well, and they're not, they're not taught, you know, the opportunities they have, the ways to best engage life and be used by God. And so in that sense, and this is where I think the church and sort of the, the larger church of Christ, um, the body of Christ, uh, those older men and women need to be passing on to younger men and women. You know, what is the effective way that God wants to use you in the gifts that he's given you? In the context of the home, and then also in the context of the local church or, mm -hmm. or ministry, parachurch, all of those things, would that all be somehow implied in that Titus 2 mandate? Or are there other scriptures that also bring that forward? the, the um, ministry outside beyond the home well i would say it's implied 
okay, in that way. And then um, there are other scriptures. I think, honestly, if we go back to Genesis and we believe women are called to be leaders too, then anything you see in scripture that talks about leadership skills. So even if they're in the context, say, for instance, in um, 1 Peter 5, we're talking about elders and being shepherds of, of the flock that they've been entrusted to. Well, women are entrusted with shepherding other women. And so all of those qualities of leadership that Paul talks about in the New Testament, I think can very easily apply to women. Um, and all of those characteristics are needed by us as well as by men to carry out God's plan for using us in the lives of other people. Mm -hmm. um, you said at one point in your article that you said it became clear to me that women have great potential to contribute in significant ways to God's mission to reach the world for Christ. Mm -hmm. Great statement. Do you see some certain ways in which women are uniquely called to serve in Great Commission things? Well, I particularly think they're called to reach other women in the world. I think there's unique ways we've been designed by God and needs that we have that other women can best meet. It doesn't mean that as women, we can't grow under the leadership and teaching of men, but I think that is particularly a call that we have. That's why you know, I call um, you know, the Titus a mandate. I mean, this is the clear responsibility that women have to pour into the lives of other women. Not like I say, they, they can also learn from men, but there are certain needs and ways in which we can best equip one another as females. So that, um, that particularly, but then I think too, just, um, I think women have been designed very uniquely by God. And so as they partner with their brothers in Christ, they bring something often different, a different perspective, a different insight into the great commission that I think can be very valuable, the same way within a church ministry. I think your healthiest churches have women on their staff that are working alongside their brothers in Christ um, to really best, um, kind of like a family. Um, I remember one time, um, I don't know if you are familiar with Vicki Kraft. She was um, a pioneer in women's ministry. She's with the Lord now. She was a grad from DTS and one of the first um, women who were um, on staff in a paid position in a, uh, in a church. And she says a, um, a, a church without a women's minister is like a family without a home. Uh, without a mother, um, and that that and just like a, a family ideally needs a mother and a father. I know there's unique circumstances there that we don't want to dismiss for sure, mm -hmm. um, but a church is the family of God. It's the local body of believers, and so there are places and ways in which women contribute uniquely that I think make for a healthier church, will make for a healthier body of Christ, as we equip women to be able to use their gifts. Um, at Dallas, tell us more about these courses that you, you're involved in a course that's about equipping women or you mm -hmm. teach a course. Tell us what is that all about? What happens in that course? Well, on the master's level, and I team teach this course with Dr. Sue Edwards, um, we teach a course on effective ministry with women. So that's all the different areas of needs of women and how to most effectively meet those needs and minister to them. So that course um, covers uh, many, many different topics on um, how women learn, how they lead, um, how they um, do conflict, uh, how they are to work alongside of men, um, small group ministry, 
uh, leading Bible studies, just, just quite a bit of different um, topics that we go over in that course. Um, I assist Dr. Edwards in a course called Women Teaching Women, and that's patterned after our preaching courses, which our female women can take the preaching courses, if, particularly if they're in our Master of Theology. But we have a lot of our MA students, women who are in master's program, who also need to know how to teach the Bible because they're going to be teaching it. So um, that's a course on how to read and interpret the scripture and put it into um, messages um, where they will be able to teach because they're going to be asked to teach God's word when they leave Dallas Seminary. So those classes, um, particularly, and then of course on the doctoral level, I do teach a course on women and Christian leadership. So that's a whole course on how women lead and how to effectively do that. And then I also teach one on caring for women in pain. And that course is about what are all the emotional issues that women face? And how can we be equipped as lay leaders? We're not professional counselors, but there is a lot of ways in which God uses women to counsel other women. And how can we best do that, even if we don't have that advanced training? Yeah. Well, that's very practical. Um, mm -hmm. the, the course you mentioned just pre previous to that, um, How Women Lead, is interesting mm. to me. What are some elements of that course? In other words, how do you see, how do women lead? Well, I tell you, um, in my dissertation work, because my dissertation was based on a survey I sent out to a thousand women alumni from DTS, asking them what are their leadership challenges and how can we best equip our women who are um, you know, training at DTS. And so part of my research was looking into the different ways that men and women lead, because there's a lot of research out there, both secular and in the Christian world, that, that God has designed women differently. And, and now when I say that, all women are the same, not all men are the same. So I don't wanna make that generality at all. But um, a lot of, lot of uh, medical research now has shown that our, our brains are designed differently. That God has designed our brains differently as women and men, and that women, as leaders, they tend to be very collaborative, um, and they tend to be very process-oriented. They like to discuss things and talk about things, whereas, say, in contrast to men, they're very goal-oriented, very task-oriented. Women are extremely relational. The relationships are very important. I'm not saying men are not relational, but it's a very high priority for a lot of women, and so when you are in leadership, you will often see women wanting to um, connect with other women and build those relationships in the context of their leadership. So it's gonna become more than just a task that we're all doing together, but also being sensitive to the, the value that women have of relating with other women, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So those are a few of the, the different ways, although obviously we have some women that are very task-oriented, we have some men that are very relational, okay, so God is very creative in that way, but if you look at women as a whole, it, I sometimes give the um, example, if you went to a big conference that was all women, and then you went to a big conference that was all men, you would find that those would be designed somewhat differently, mm -hmm. if you were in a big group, even though you're going to have uniquely different women in those audiences and uniquely different men. So that's, that's why we want to talk about that. And so I feel like God has designed us as men and women to complement each other, you know, to really um, to fill in the gaps in the ways. And that's why I think God 
design is for us to partner together to best effectively and most effectively you know fulfill the great commission and impact this world for christ so the courses you're teaching those you've described are they co-ed classes um my small groups course is our effective ministry with women course is open to men and so they and we've had a few take it not too many but we have a few that know that they're going to work with women a lot and they want to learn about them. Mm-hmm. Um, our women teaching women course has been just for women because there's plenty of options and different classes for men to take. Mm-hmm. And then on the, um, on the doctoral level, those are primarily for women, um, mainly because we have other leadership courses that suit the men and equip the men, you know, more specifically. And my Caring for Women in Pain class is a very personal class where it's not just learning about how to care for women, but they also have to look at their own stories Mm -hmm. and how God has worked in their lives and the pain that God has has allowed them to experience and how he wants to heal and transform and use that as a gift of hope to other women. And so I've I've been pretty... um, pretty careful I feel like that needs to be one where we're just women because there's sort of certain conversations that are better and more appropriate in with same sex and same gender mm-hmm. when you have um, a, a classroom that's all women or a co-ed classroom what dynamic differences do you notice if any yeah, there are some. It's interesting um, because obviously our women at, at the seminary are in a lot of classes with our men. Um, primarily they are. Mm-hmm. And women tend, not all women, but when they get in a co-ed group, they tend to be quieter. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's because the men are sort of, you know, kind of taking over the conversation at times. But when you get them in a group that's all women, they're all open and much freer to talk and interact. Um, so I, we see a big, big difference because we have the women, we, you know, we teach some classes that are co-ed. We'll have the same women in an all-female class, totally different dynamic. They're all talking, they're all, inter, you know, engaging. And then at times we're able to enter into some conversations and topics that are really more, um, uh, um, more um, appropriate in a same-sex conversation, particularly in the areas of sexuality. In Entrust, we have a whole branch that's women equipping women in ministry. Mm-hmm. And often those modules are all just women. And some of them, though, have become co-ed. And then we do just men with men as well. And the women have noticed it's the dynamic just changes when it's a, a mixed group, that mm-hmm. how the women talk or how much they share from their hearts there's a little more holding back than when it's just all the the women together and i think the men hold back i think there's yeah in fact they may hold back more when there's women around they still have a hard time when they're just men there just because it's hard for men sometimes to be open and transparent and not all men but a lot of women men um and so i think when women are present because you know they're very sensitive to coming across as having it together and being strong and um, those kinds of things. So I think it benefits both sides. We'll end on that interesting thought with Dr. Joy Baker from Dallas Theological Seminary about groups having quite a different dynamic when they are of one gender or mixed gender groups. What's been your experience with that? 
we'll visit with Dr. Baker again next time. Thank you so much for joining me, Lori Lind on Entrust Equipping Leaders. On our next episode, Dr. Baker will describe mentoring and training women in Russia, a very patriarchal church culture, helping pastors see the value of equipping women to serve with them, not in opposition to them, in the context of the local church. Thank you for listening to Entrust Equipping Leaders. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast. Share it with someone else who might find it helpful. And finally, we'd love for you to give us a review. We pray this podcast finds its way to people like you, leaders, trainers of leaders, growing disciples of Christ, who desire to equip next generations of leaders in the local church. Thank you.